Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Foo followers around the world, and welcome to episode 31 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with me, Ben Johnson. Thank you so much for downloading. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast within your podcast provider. That way, you can keep up to date with all the latest episodes. And if you do subscribe, please don't forget to write us a review or leave us a star rating. That way, we can help to spread the word of the show and hopefully attract even more Foo followers around the world. Uh, we are also on Facebook, we're on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with the show, then send me an email. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, we've got a Vengeance movie special on today's show. It's all very exciting indeed. So, without any further ado, let's get into it. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. Great to have you with us. I hope you're well. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're having a great day. Wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Listen, straight off the bat, I need to say that um, I've been hit by the lurgy, as you can probably tell from my voice today. Feeling a little bit under the weather, but... You know, the, the show must go on. Uh, and of course, what a show we have for you today. It is action-packed. To celebrate the release of one of this year's best UK independent action films called Vengeance, or as it's known in the US, I Am Vengeance, uh, we have the writer, director, producer and one of the film's stars on the podcast today. Uh, in a moment, we'll be chatting to the great Brian Larkin. Uh, Brian plays one of the villains in the film. He's also starred in London Has Fallen with Gerard Butler, and he was the main villain in Chasing the Dragon, uh, which starred Donnie Yen and Andy Lau, was released a couple of years back. Uh, Brian played the corrupt British police chief at the heart of that movie. But before I throw over to my conversation with Brian, I managed to have a chat with the writer and director of Vengeance, Ross Boyask, and also the film's producer, John Adams. Uh, so both John and Ross are part of the company Evolutionary Films. They are a UK-based production house and distributor of mostly genre films. They have a string of great titles to their name, and it was great to be able to sit with them in their lovely uh, soundproofed office in East London uh, to be able to talk a little bit about where the industry is at the moment, particularly in terms of film distribution, uh, action movies in general, and, of course, independent cinema. So it's a fun little chat and that is coming up in a moment on the show uh, Ross was very kind to send me a screener of Vengeance so I have already watched it the film stars Stu Bennett formerly Wade Barrett of WWE fame uh, Stu you may remember played the villain in the 2016 Scott Adkins film Eliminators. Uh, this time he plays the hero, or we should say anti-hero, uh, is probably more appropriate. He plays the vengeful ex-serviceman turned mercenary John Gold, 
who rocks up to a small country town in the UK to avenge the death of one of his former army buddies. It's a very enjoyable romp. It's played mostly uh, with tongue firmly in cheek and it has some really great one-liners in it too. Not to mention some familiar faces. Keith Allen drops in, uh, which is great to see. And uh, also martial arts star Gary Daniels is in the movie. He plays the main villain of the piece uh, and he gets to go toe-to-toe with uh, Stu Bennett at the end of the movie, which um, is really delightful to see. So Vengeance is out now in theatres and online in the US and it will get its UK premiere at this year's Fighting Spirit Film Festival on the 15th of September here in London. Uh, Ross will be there doing a Q&A along with some members of the cast, which all sounds very cool indeed. The film will then be released by Evolutionary Films in the UK from the 28th of September. So I won't talk too much at the start of this show. Uh, I'm conscious that I do start every episode of this podcast by saying that, but there is a lot to get through uh, today. All I did want to quickly say was thank you all so much for your comments about the previous episode uh, with Bob Wall and Tai Singh. We had a great response to Tai's book giveaway. Uh, the book is called Born to be Bad. Uh, that competition closed yesterday, but fear not because we are always giving stuff away in our monthly newsletter. So... The newsletter is the best way to keep informed on all the latest martial arts movie news and also the latest updates to the site and any news regarding the podcast. So make sure you sign up now if you haven't already by visiting the website kungfumovieguide.com and providing us with your email address when prompted. We have another great prize for the next newsletter which we will be announcing over our social media channels in the coming weeks so do keep it locked to the site to find out what that's going to be. Okay, that's probably enough uh, rambling on there for this intro. Let's get on with our Vengeance special by talking to the film's director and writer Ross Boyask and its producer John Adams. Is it Vengeance? Is it I Am Vengeance? We, what's, what one are we going with? That's a good question. It's actually got three titles at the moment. The actual title of the film is Vengeance. Yeah. In America, it's being released as I Am Vengeance. Japan, it's known as Outrageous, The Most Dangerous Man. Okay. Which I was overjoyed about. That's a great title. Just give us a bit of the backstory there. What were the, what were the origins uh, of this film? When were the building blocks sort of being put in place for, for this movie? Well, as a company, uh, we were set up to produce finance well finance produce and sell our own product for want of a better way of putting it the backstory to the film which is never really brought out when you watch the film it's actually based a little bit on a true story of uh, a bunch of squaddies who a number of years ago now tried to smuggle back a massive block of heroin from Afghanistan they were busted as I understand it and I'm not sure what their fates were in the end but my thinking was along the lines of, well, what if they'd actually succeeded in that? They, they brought back a massive block of heroin. What are they going to do with it? Yeah. What do they know about dealing drugs? Yeah. So that was kind of the background idea. That's the villain's plot. Yeah. And, and essentially what it turns out to be is sort of their retirement plan. Essentially, uh, one, of the, one of the good guys uh, finds out about this plan and the bad guys have to uh, remove him, uh, eliminate him, so to speak. Uh, and our hero, John Gold, played by Stu Bennett, yep. uh, essentially when he hears that his friend has been killed, comes back to this town of devotion 
uh, in the countryside uh, to find out who did it and pursue them and uh, take them down one by one in typical action hero fashion. Sure. Did you always have Stu in mind for this role? When did his name appear? That's an interesting question. Originally, John Gold was envisioned as a sort of... uh, you, you hear about hit men and, and, and that sort of thing. They, they tend to they tend to need to blend in. Yeah. They should sort of be almost unnoticeable. Now, yeah. obviously, when you make an action movie, that's not necessarily going to be the situation. Yeah. Um, but I sort of envisioned him as, dare I say, a lithe, athletic guy. Sure, okay. But someone who could kind of blend in. Well, because our company, Evolutionary Films, is based at Three Mill Studios, yeah. a few years ago... Uh, the film Eliminators were shooting there starring yeah. Scott Adkins and uh, and of course uh, Stu was the, the lead villain That's essentially right. very good isn't it uh, he's fantastic and, yeah really great at the time obviously I had some awareness of him as WWE uh, superstar Wade Barrett and, yeah. and so forth some, some awareness of that um, but in many ways we took the opportunity that while the film was filming there uh, we would check it out obviously I know Scott and a number of other people on the production so it was great, just great to say hello and everything yeah, yeah. and we were putting together the plans for uh, vengeance essentially what happened was we met we had a chat uh, I was sort of brave enough to say we're, we're about to make an action film <laughs> um, <laughs> and we'd like to have a chat with you about potentially playing the lead character uh, he then read the script uh, and then uh, the rest is history yeah. <laughs> without sounding too cliched <laughs> in terms of his audience they're very much used to him being a heel and he made it very clear that he still his characters John Gold is a badass he kicks ass takes names he's not a nice person yeah <clears throat> but of course he is the protagonist and he's seeking he is seeking revenge like yeah. he, he has been wronged or his friends have been wronged mm-hmm. um, and in many ways he I believe I mean you'd have to speak to him but he sort of sees vengeance and again potentially the follow up mm. as sort of a transition into somewhat of a baby face for, yeah. for the parlance for the wrestling fans yeah. because He's been known as, you know, Bad News Barrett and Wade Barrett and you know, I've got some bad news for you and all, all of that stuff, yeah, yeah. which is great and it's given him a persona, but I think he's looking to transition that into a much more... Soften the image. Yeah, but I, I mean, only in as much yeah, as a more positive... Just, yeah, yeah. yeah, good guy, right? And I think yeah. he plays it very well. We should introduce at this point uh, John Adams. John, do you want to say what your role is here at Evolutionary Films? This is the production company that you work with um, with, with Ross here. Um, it is, and I guess Evolutionary Films was set up to be the next generation of the production companies that that I've worked in and run in the past. Mm. In that, the idea behind this was to fully vertically integrate the production, sales, and distribution and financing of films all under one banner. So, for us, Vengeance is now turning into a franchise, which is obviously something where the John Gold character can go on and it's something that we own as evolutionary films that can to keep rolling on and, and, and becoming Great. more and more stories. Great, that's the plan with this then, you're going to franchise this this can, this is a character that can can run and run? I mean yes, certainly I mean, I think we've been really encouraged by the number of sales we've made on the yeah. film yeah. Uh, which is one of our primary functions obviously as a sales company yeah. uh, and we've been encouraged enough to the fact that we are now making the sequel which is very exciting. Fantastic. 
Um, uh, we should probably mention the fact that the film is being released in, in the States by Saban. So what's what are the things that, say, a big company like Saban, what are they looking for in, when they're looking for, for new products that they want to really grab hold of and release, give a big sort of push? Potential. I mean, I think they're looking for the same things that audiences are looking for. Yeah. It, it's common sense, but they're, they're buying for what they know they can sell on to the public. Yeah. So they're looking at Stu as an ex-WWE guy yeah. and the kind of following that he's got, the, the 1.4 million followers on Twitter that yeah. he will engage with and that fan base. They're looking at the production value and obviously you know, the fight's in this, Ross's direction in this. It's a, It punches way above its weight in terms of yeah. the budget of the film and what's actually been delivered. Yeah. Um, so they're just looking at that kind of bang for buck and, and the type of returns that they can make on it compared to what they're paying. What were sort of challenges that you were facing when you were making this movie? Independent action movie in UK as well we don't make a lot of uh, action movies it's not necessarily our bread and butter no uh, what what were the what were the sort of challenges I mean I know, I know this is going to sound cliched but time and money is always an issue yeah, yeah. Uh, money buys time and all of that I mean in the end as much as we want more time I think we did really well with the time we had and certainly for the budget that we had without getting into the nitty gritty of it I think if we'd have had a couple more days that would have been amazing um, and I think uh, but much beyond that I'm not sure the film could have looked much bigger yeah. beyond that if we're talking about real terms so I think we did really well with the time we had we've also had a number of uh, wins at uh, film festivals which has been really gratifying Amazing. Uh, genre festivals of course but that's fantastic the fact yeah. that people have enjoyed it to that point it's really it's really rewarding like yeah. to be honest as a filmmaker but also hopefully you know, for the cast and crew who put all their, their hard work and time yeah. and creativity into it it's lovely to know that commercially that's great but it's also nice to know that there are people who actually like it and this is before the mainstream audience have seen it of course yeah. but it's yeah it's really gratifying got to touch on Brian uh, Larkin at this uh, at this point yeah. of course um, so obviously great actor been doing it for years great in Chasing the Dragon um, you know working with Gerald Butler London and, has uh, fallen London and has fallen yes one of the things that's most interesting to me is when I saw London has fallen in the cinema I, you know, I, the film has its relative merits, but I really liked this guy, this SAS guy, yeah. who was with Gerald Butler. He's in quite a lot in the movie as yeah. well. I mean, you only sort of see a circle of his face through the through the mask, yeah. but he has, and he's really good in it and and really enjoyable. And then when we were doing the or doing the casting, essentially, we had a submission, or we had lots of submissions, and one of these submissions, I clicked on the IMDb link, and I'm like, it's that guy from London Has Fallen. That's really cool. Like yeah. that was just really cool because I really he did stand out to me. Yeah, yeah. And so that was cool. And then when I went on his IMDb and you know went further down his listings, it turns out Brian was also in a film that I had adored from a few years ago called uh, Let Us Pray. Yeah, which is a horror film, uh, and it's essentially a sort of Precinct Thirteen meets Prince of Darkness. It's very John Carpenter, and I absolutely loved that film. Yeah. And so it was interesting to me that he'd be first of all in quite diverse roles. I mean genre, but diverse yeah, roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, this is really exciting. And yeah, and then again, sort of the rest is history. Mm. And then he went on to chasing the dragon and so forth. Yeah, he's a great collaborator. He was awesome when he came in, though. I have to say, yeah. Brian, when he auditioned for the first film, because we just brought him in for a casting, put him on tape. Yeah. He blew everybody away. He was really, really good. Yeah. He's quite so, a character, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. He, he yeah. just started. From that moment, we kind of went, yeah, no, him, he's the guy. He's, he's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've killed many men with this pole, but still, I don't want to kill you yet. <laughs> You've been making movies for what over twenty years or so. Oh, I feel so um, old. Sorry, sorry, put that out there. Um, 
you know over 40 short films or something and feature movies in there um you seem to have a habit of noticing talent when it's when it's quite young uh, and up and coming you, uh, scott adkins obviously being a prime example of that yeah uh, such you, good fun working with him it's yes. a long time ago but yeah I mean, yeah really great really um cool. i'm just wondering joey answer as well you worked with joey a few, few yeah. years back on uh, i mean some time ago on on my first feature left for dead and the brief pre to that was was uh we were making left for dead sort of as a short and it turned into a feature it kind yeah. of kept going with uh, phil hobden being the producer glenn salvage who some people may know from various films yeah and joey was great he was in a a, a gymnasium fight he did some other stuff as well yeah he was great to it. I mean, even at the time you know he, like he was terrific you knew this guy really, was, yeah, yeah really yeah, really dynamic uh yeah very talented yeah i'm just wondering what is it that you do you look for specific things in 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 these roles like how do you know if someone's going to make it as a as an action star yeah i wish i could say i could go that guy's gonna be a star yeah. um but, but but sometimes seems, sometimes but brian larkin's a good example yeah. of that if you spot someone in a movie and then that's suddenly and you're like, oh no that's yeah. the guy i remember him in that movie i saw absolutely uh, yes y- that was... y- you must have a talent for just sort of spotting these faces maybe without being too introspective perhaps it's about the fact that because we make a very we make particular types of films where yeah. we sell and distribute very different films from documentaries to dramas to all sorts of things yeah. but we do have a focus on genre yeah uh, and i think that there is a, a, a sort of a microcosm of people who work in genre whether it's special effects vfx martial arts stunts yeah. an interest in that storytelling perhaps yeah. there's only so many people who make films like this in the uk yeah 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 uh you know and so hopefully we draw those people together yeah. as well um, I mean look just in the casting for the sequel without getting too heavily into it there's been a number of people that I have seen in many other productions who I've never worked with Yeah. Uh, some of them meeting for the first time some of them we've already met maybe in passing or at screenings and I'm really looking forward to working with some different people who absolutely have the same sort of passion Yeah. I love working with the same people as well because you've yeah. got that shorthand but actually, there's something about working with other people and sort of strengthening those relationships, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. that I'm really excited about. You're still passionate about action movies? Obviously, you've just uh, produced one. Uh, do you still get inspired when you see new action movies? Do you still get annoyed when you see bad ones? Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting. I think opinions vary vo- widely on this. I, I'm really... I think I'm always... Regardless of what I think of certain franchises, because I'm fairly vocal about this stuff on social media... <laughs> I'm always really happy when an action film is successful. Yeah. Because it means, oh, action films are successful. So I feel like, and as a company, I think John would probably... I think action films are generally successful anyway, because that that hardcore audience for... Mm. Yeah, it's one of the reasons we do focus on genre. There is an audience that you can identify to market to if you've got a well-made action film. Yeah. And actually, you can't say that about a well-made drama. It's that's you kind of... Buyers themselves. Buyers will just say, I mean... John knows this even more, way more than I do. But like, you'll sit down at a sales market like Cannes or, or AFM or wherever, and there will be buyers who sit international buyers who will sit down and say, "No drama, no comedy," mm. and then they'll say hello. Yeah, literally wow, before yeah, they, they even, really well. before the pitch, and yeah. it's cyclical as well. In some territories, you get you know, for example, Germany for ages was no drama, no comedy. Now suddenly they want sort of kitchen sink dramas in Germany for some reason this year, yeah. and you kind of go, well, we weren't prepared for and that. How do we get ahead yeah. of this and what's curve? That? Um, yeah. Whereas with action generally speaking it's most ever- territories evergreen. buy and it's an evergreen mm. product yeah. but um, can you can you judge it slightly if like there's been a big breakout smash the first thing that's come to my head is something like um, Game of Thrones on telly or something normally then you go in the supermarket and there's a whole load of like Game of Thrones style uh, films can you kind of re- can you read into oh well that's a big smash so somewhere down the line maybe this type of genre is going to take off can I f- you predict it like I that? feel I feel well, that's a double edged sword 
when while you could say well yes Game of Thrones is a big fantasy if the films live up to that yeah then there's some sort of market there for fantasy I guess mm. I think that the it's thing hard with, to meet that standard I yeah think. the yeah, thing yeah. with trying to read that though is all those things that are positioned a bit like Game of Thrones either they've been immensely lucky and they happen to have timing. got a yeah. vibe yeah. and got the timing right and they've hit with something just as it's in vogue yeah. which happens yeah or more likely it's a distributor slightly cynically going can we make this look a bit more like something that's successful because people will buy it and that's yeah. why you get you know if craze movies are selling suddenly you get every British gangster movie is repositioned as if it's about the craze or whether the, it is or yeah, a retro yeah. Range Rover murders yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean I, I worked on a, a film Danny Dyer film years ago going back 10 years probably where um, in the US the front cover of the film was a silhouette of a gun behind an attractive dancing lady with money falling from the sky. Sure. None of those things are in that film. No. <laughs> so the people who bought that movie in the States thinking it was going to be you know, a, a crime thriller with dancing yeah. girls and, and money falling yeah. from the sky, it, it really, no, yeah, yeah. they're going to be really disappointed because it was Well, they're only betraying the people who actually want to watch the films but in the it's first place. Exactly, it's a short-sighted thing because what they're actually doing is they don't care because once the Hunter has bought the film yeah. they've got the money and it yeah, doesn't matter so where it doesn't matter. but they haven't got the kind of the foresight to go well we want to sell them our next film and our next yeah. film and that's, that sort of comes back to what we're doing here at Evolutionaries we're trying to build a brand where people go okay Evolutionary Films at least we know that these guys do a certain kind of product most of the time yeah. and we can you know, we know what we're going to get and it's not going to be missold yeah. and that's for our buyers just as much as the public yeah, who we distribute absolutely. to because we yeah. distribute in the UK so it's about be, I guess being transparent uh, and, and obviously we have to make commercial decisions that's really important as yeah, well of yeah, course yeah. Um, but you know we, we did a Juliet Stevenson drama last year I guess uh, yeah we released it theatrically last September yeah, yeah. exactly and it was you know it, it got critically very well received and, and so yeah. forth and so forth and it's because we put it out there as it is yeah. essentially yeah. do you so, ever pick up stuff though that maybe you're not too personally keen on but you watch it and you're like well you know that's going to put bums on seats it's happened i think on occasion we've had this we have we have discussions all the time with acquisitions like partly we get submitted a a lot of films and i think without sounding too cynical we have to look at it from a position of who who is this for yeah and that's and let's get onto that little bit of subject of when filmmakers make films (laughs) who is your film for yeah (laughs) it is astonishing it really is astonishing the number of people who come to us with a completed Completed film film. completed film that they've spent they've raised somebody else's money and spent tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds making and we say to them okay what's the audience for this who do you think is going to buy it and they kind of go oh we haven't thought about that yeah right. we just okay. want to make, yeah, make that film I know it's a creative industry but yeah. it's still a business guys if you're making a product that nobody's going to buy at the other end how yeah. can you look your investors in the eye at yeah. that point yeah. and, and take but, their money but that's always the balance in film is that cre- it's a creative output so you want to be it's artistic as well but yeah. it, it is a commercial but it's quite, and, and there are places out there that fund films that wouldn't otherwise get made commercially yeah. you, you know, you're looking at people like the BFI who have their cultural funds and and yeah, the, the the soft equity European media funds. Yeah, yeah, of course, go to those guys. But when you're coming to us, and we're quite a pragmatic business-based yeah. company that is going to say, well, if we take this on, who's going to watch it? Yeah. If you can't answer that question when you yeah. come and sit down in our office, honestly, yeah, that's, that's kind of one hundred and one, isn't it? Yeah. And, and yeah, even yeah. understanding, without sounding too mechanical about this, there is a cost 
to releasing a film yeah, or selling absolutely. a film or whatever. I mean, I'm not trying to sound all money grabby, but it is a business, uh, and and there is a cost to doing it. Whether it's time, yeah. Whether it's yeah, you know, we're picking this. Let's be honest. If we, if we're acquiring a number of films, we have sort of a quota, if you like, of a number of films that we're going to release, as do most buyers, a, a schedule yeah. across the year. We have to fill those slots. It is a product, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, we have to decide which titles that we're fo- that we're coming in or that we can find. Yeah. First of all, we'll fill those slots appropriately, but we feel has a good shot at actually finding an audience. Yeah. And even alongside that, the people who have made the film, what is their nature? <laughs> Are they commercially minded? Do they yeah. understand the amount of work that is actually required from their point of view to also promote that film? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, without getting all lectury. <laughs> and if you are a filmmaker, make a Christmas movie with a dog. Yes, yeah. Talk, talk child. Honestly, talk, talk a dog, dog and a child. It's a good tip, everyone. You will, you will <laughs> get that sold. Yeah. <laughs> it's either a curse or a blessing that I make films that I'm sort of the audience for. Yeah. I, don't, I hope that doesn't sound pretentious, but for those who don't know why I do this, I'll do a very short version of this. When I was two years old. That's a long time ago now. I wanted to write and draw for Marvel or DC. I didn't even understand that there were different comics companies, but I loved Superman and Spider-Man and yeah. Daredevil and Thor and Hulk and yeah. Batman. And so I basically learned to read and write and speak from comics, which explains quite a lot when you know me. And then when I was 11, still quite a long time ago, um, I saw three films that totally changed my life in one day, in one session. I saw... Oh, uh, let, let's let's take a step back from this. When you talk to filmmakers about what was the film you saw that yeah, made yeah. you want to I'm make sure. films, and if you talk about people of my roughly my age bracket, they're going to say things like Raiders of the Lost Ark, yes. or E.T., yes. or Jaws, yes. or any one of those films, and they're all brilliant. Godfather, whatever. Yeah. I saw Revenge of the Ninja. Yes, Com- Commando, yeah. an American ninja. Yeah, in one glorious four and a half hour orgasm. What a wonderful day! But it was it was, <laughs> and it literally changed my life. Yeah, Canon films have a lot to answer for, mm. and so essentially, I I sort of went from comics, 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 which I still love, obviously, to going. How do I do that? Mm. How do I? I was seeing ninjas mm. who are like superheroes, essentially, mm-hmm. and Schwarzenegger in Commando, which is literally the best thing of all time. It's not even a film; it's the best thing of all time. Okay. But it is a cartoon mm. in many ways, yeah. and my prepubescent brain, I guess, um, just went, "How do I do what I'm seeing there?" Yeah, and that's how it started. Yeah. So nice. essentially, my films are going to be remakes of Commando until someone <laughs> yeah. says, "Do you want to remake Commando?" <laughs> shot for shot. Um, so yeah, so so I guess what I'm getting to is, I am making films for my 11 year old self. Yeah. Yeah. for want of a better way of saying it yeah. I think I'm sort of lucky yeah. that the the stuff that I love is the stuff I want to make Yeah, and don't get me wrong I'll try my hand at other things at some point I'm sure I would like to branch into another genre I'd like to branch into horrors or yeah. survival yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever and although my attitudes have possibly changed in terms of what we see yeah. I'm always happy when an action franchise is successful because mm. mm. it sort of proves that that stuff that I loved as a kid is still working yeah. quite frankly but let's face it the most successful Movies that are being made, the Marvel films, Star Wars yeah. films, Mission Impossible, they're all action films. You well, know. at least after a fashion, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a nonsense that these films are sort of downplayed or seen as like low art in a sense. I agree. I mean, that must be, is that, that's frustrating, right? It can be. I mean, only in as much as I, I suppose one t- tries not to think too much about it yeah. because in the end, you either, it's not for you if you don't mm. like it. You, you can choose not to watch it. Yeah. Um, hopefully, what we make though is 
I, I like to think that what we make is we make genre films that are somewhat elevated. Yeah. I like to think that there's more in it than just punching people because yeah. as much as I like that, if you don't care at all about the characters, yeah. that's no good. Time. And we do very much believe in things like character-based action and mm. the, the action that leads to the story. The film doesn't stop. The story doesn't stop for a fight scene. Yeah, yeah. A fight scene is the same as a conversation. It's just really aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And so we do think a lot about it. In fact, when people watch Vengeance please watch Vengeance when, <laughs> when they watch Vengeance I'm hoping that they see a certain amount of psychologies in those fights I, I mean we haven't tried to make it obvious yeah. but those characters move a particular way mm. because of their characters mm. I think it's probably quite important um, that when we approach this type of genre film whether it's one of Ross's action films or whether it's the other genre films that we, we do yeah we put a lot of work into the development of the script, mm. and I think I'd, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to be harsh about some of the other action stuff that I've seen, mm-hmm. but it does feel like the filmmakers are looking for a way to link the fights together rather yeah. than actually coming up with a proper story yeah. that it, it inhabits the, the fights. And I think, I mean, we've had with with Vengeance, we did an, a lot of script development work. Mm. We did a lot mm-hmm. of workshopping. We went through the script. You know, there are all of the characters in Vengeance in many ways we talk about Vengeance almost like a western in the way yes, that absolutely. the, the yeah, story is okay. structured it's a, you know, it's a, a, a revenging gunslinger like, yeah, coming into a, a small yeah. town that's been taken over by, by gangsters yeah. it has a lot of kind of isolation and western themes in there and, and, and I think that I don't think it comes across in the film but I think in the way that we approached it that was really helpful mm. and with the sequel that we're developing at the moment we've had script workshops and for us it's about obviously the action and the fighting needs to be good yeah. but the actors need to be able to act we're not just casting fighters and going get in there and have a fight yeah. and then say yeah. some words yeah. they're primarily they're, they're actors that we then yeah. get the best fighting out of and yeah. it's, it has to be that way around otherwise yeah. I think you, you end up with something that just feels really shallow it's the butterfly style <laughs> In the early 90s days, you put Don the Dragon Wilson or Cynthia Rothrock on the cover of uh, VHS and it's going to sell millions and millions of copies. It's just the way that that, uh, that works back then. Can I also just say I love both those guys. Yeah. Like, they're like the nicest people in the world. Lovely. We went lovely. to Universal <coughs> Studios with Cynthia a couple of years ago and did the Universal Studios tour with her taking pictures next to us. Brilliant. It was great. It's lovely. Fantastic, yes. Awesome. But we're not in the early 90s anymore. Things to, uh, have, have changed uh, quite considerably. A key thing with genre films is they tend to be the ones that you do see on these pirates sites they're, they're torrented downloaded quite uh, quite a lot and the, and 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 the genre has sort of suffered uh, as a result or has it i mean what's your opinion on this if you just had to change up your sort of business model to try and to combat uh, this i mean you can look at this from a distributor point of view the stuff that we've been told by some of the distributors about who's responsible for the security of these films this is a whole other podcast to be honest because <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a long Sorry. this is this is a subject that, that takes hours to get yeah, into yeah of course um, but I think there's I think there's a lot of can I also say before you continue Go it's on. wildly misunderstood by a lot of people as well yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah no I think that's definitely true um, we cannot stop pirates from putting content onto their piracy sites it's, it is impossible to stop the studios can't stop them yeah. Disney can't stop them Star Wars, Star is, Wars is pirated there, so, yeah, there is no organisation or global entity that can stop the pirates from taking the content and putting it so it's about educating and getting people to understand that effectively they are stealing yeah. from the creators of this yeah, it, it's the old fact commercials from the 1980s first of all I think most people access their content through 
legitimate sites. So yeah. I think most people do go through their TV onto Sky or Virgin, or they go to iTunes or Amazon. And I think most punters do. It's only a small proportion of people who will you know, go to Cody or Pirate Bay or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. My attitude mostly is that the people who are downloading illegally, I don't think most of them would go and buy the film. I think they're just finding stuff. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think if they've if they've seen, for example, advertising about Vengeance. I don't think they'd go to the pirate sites and find specifically for Vengeance. I think they'd probably buy it. I think what they're doing is they're going to the pirate sites and going, what's there there and finding stuff to to, to watch. What's there today? Yeah, yeah. So the impact on revenues is debatable. Clearly it is having an effect and clearly it's denting revenues. Whether really the number of copies lost would otherwise have been transactional purchases yeah, okay. is a is a debatable question and nobody and has provable. any numbers it, no. I mean I've spoken to Fact about this and yeah. said look if we if we engage with you because Fact charge money and it's a lot of money per title to try and protect your title per, they year. Can't, per year they can't stop it being pirated um, but it's a it's a private service it's not yeah. a government thing there's no there is no police or government crackdown on piracy we have to go out and try and spend money to protect ourselves using systems as I say it's a long difficult convoluted complex subject do we change what we're doing because of it yes we do we have certain security precautions in place in terms of until the release of the film how mm. we handle mm. films watermarking them ensuring that they're always password protected that mm. physical copies are never put anywhere outside of you know people that we can control and, yeah. and track once that film is released anywhere in the world it's going online and we just have to accept that. So to that end, are you not concerned that, you know, you've got an American vengeance release about a month before the, the UK one? Does that... Literally nothing we could do about it. Yeah, yeah. No, Even if um, we were concerned... Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm concerned only in as much as we want legitimate transactions yeah, as a company. Yeah. That's that's a concern. But one has to acknowledge that like, once a film's been on, once it's been on television, mm. that's it, forget mm. it. The only thing that always occurs to me though is when you see that something has been downloaded you go well the people who want to see that that's encouraging yeah let's promote it and get other people to watch yeah hey don't be tricked by him he's got iron feet can't end on piracy yeah piracy let's end on a good on a good note evolutionary films so what have we got coming up what's in the pipeline we're starting pre-production on Vengeance 2 but what we also have still is the release schedule of the other titles we've got coming Mm. through so as well as doing the financial stuff and raising the money and making the films and selling internationally we've got two markets coming up in October and November in France and LA we're also releasing films in the UK so in August this month we've released Out of the Shadows yes which is available it's a Australian horror film award winning very very high production value great for, for horror genre fans out there really um, strong really ending strong. For, a horror, for, for a horror movie these yeah, days yeah. a lot of horror films cop out these days this has got a very strong ending um, that came out in August it's on Sky and Virgin and Amazon and everywhere you can get it on your on your TV then next month we have got Vengeance coming out on the 28th we also have a completely different film which is a documentary called written by mrs bark broken silence Mm -hmm. which is quite a controversial study and investigation into whether johann sebastian bark's wife actually wrote a lot of his music so we're using real forensic real forensic evidence and stuff it's a really serious thing yeah it's been quite a few years in the making we're actually hosting a premiere ticketed premiere for that 
two nights after the Vengeance premiere on the 15th. <laughs> while, we're, while, we're we're filming Vengeance. while we're prepping wow. Vengeance 2, we are then hosting at BAFTA. But it's ticket, it's, it's a black tie event, red carpet black tie event at BAFTA on the 17th, and you can find tickets for that online as well. Yeah. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you very much. Well, so thanks, man. It's been great. You bastard. Your time has come. Then your son. Lovely stuff there. Ross Boyask and John Adams, uh, the director and producer and writer of Vengeance. Really great to talk to them both and visit their offices there uh, in East London. A wonderful quality recording that. It was uh, a pleasure to be able to get into a soundproof studio. As you may have noticed, regular listeners to this show, we don't always get some... that level of sound quality so uh, that was a joy for me anyway listen I'm very excited about all those projects that um, Ross and John were talking about there some very interesting titles indeed make sure you follow Evolutionary Films on social media for all their latest news they are at Evo Films UK on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Vengeance is out now in the US and it will be released in the UK on the 28th of September. Follow at Vengeance Film UK again on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for all the latest Vengeance related news. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, now let's go over to my conversation with Brian Larkin, the Scottish actor and filmmaker. Brian plays the main henchman in Vengeance. He's Gary Daniels' uh, right-hand man, and he absolutely relishes the role, uh, playing an absolute psychopath uh, who gets to have a good um, fight with Stu Bennett towards the end of the movie, and that's uh, very enjoyable. This conversation was recorded towards the start of 2018, so a little while ago now, and we do touch on vengeance towards the end of the interview. However, we do mostly talk about Brian's most recent film project, which is a short film called Dead End. He made the film in Hong Kong when he was filming Chasing the Dragon. Uh, Dead End sees Brian play an assassin who has something of an existential crisis while working on assignments in Hong Kong uh, with a younger contract killer. It's a great achievement uh, and it will be showing along with Vengeance at this year's Fighting Spirit Film Festival in London. And throughout the year, Dead End has been picking up awards left, right and centre to date. I think it has 28 awards to its name. One of the most recent awards being Best Actor for Brian, which he picked up at the Iron Dragon TV Action Festival, which was a few weeks ago now in Austin, Texas. Uh, The short film is now being made into a feature film, 
It's actually being made into two feature films. Uh, there's a Chinese version of the story, which is called Mina, uh, and there is an English version called Guaylo, which I'm told now has a finished script and will most likely be filming next year in both London and Hong Kong. So that's really exciting news for Brian. For all the latest Dead End news, the trailer, the artwork and all that stuff, go over to deadend.movie. Listen, I had a blast talking to Brian, and I'm very excited to be able to share this conversation with you now. So here we go. Here is my conversation with the very funny and talented Brian Larkin. So the first time I met you, um, you were super excited because you, you had the trailer done for Dead End, I think. I've seen Dead End now, it's fantastic. Thank you. What's the plot synopsis? Okay, Dead End's a short film about a British contract killer played by myself mm -hmm. who is sent to Hong Kong by uh, a government fixer, sub-government fixer, to do a job with a young headman. Yep. And so he goes over there and then it becomes apparent that his through flashback that his past life out there why he's so reluctant to be there starts to derail um, their mission as it were the job that these two hitmen yeah. are going to do you're like the, the journeyman you've lived that life you've uh, got experiences there uh, regrets maybe and you're I imparting your wisdom on this on this younger generation aren't you essentially mm. is the, yeah, is I mean, the, yeah absolutely you're dead on the money with that it's it's about a well, the younger hitman is like a younger version of me. Yeah. He, I've been that kind of cocky, very kind of uh, gregarious attitude yeah. and thinking that you're living the life, you're killing people who deserve yeah. it for money, and that's another question, moral question, the debate yeah, yeah. of who deserves to die, and that's the whole tagline sure. of the movie is everybody knows somebody who deserves to die. Um, and he's a younger version. He's skilled, very yeah. proficient, but he may leave a trace um, whereas my character's a lot more grounded and has more experience and he's trying to teach this young guy um, the ways and really the attitude yeah. Yeah. Um, before they do this job. You were filming Chasing the Dragon in Hong Kong at yes, the time. that's right. Um, and you just had a bit of spare time, is that right? Towards the it end was of towards the, the end of the shoot. Well, how, it, how it kind of worked chronologically was I was fortunate enough to be cast in Chasing the Dragon yeah. with Donnie Yen and with Andy Lau and spent some, a great time over there. And while I was there, one of my co-stars, Julian Gardner, who ends up, he ended up being in Dead End with yeah, us. Yeah. And he was almost like a tour guide, co-star, friend. Sure. He introduced me to sort of like the yeah, murky yeah. side of Hong Kong. This is where we could shoot this. This is where yeah. we could shoot that. So he was a lot of passion coming from him. Yeah. And we, we formed a friendship. And then he became involved in the short. And then I, I met a photographer who'd never shot a film before. He was like, ah, I'd, I'd love to start filming. I'd right. love to be a cinematographer. I've always wanted to be a cinematographer, but I've never had the opportunity, or I've never created an opportunity for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So can I help, can I shoot your film? I've got a drone, I've got a DSLR. Yeah. We can use whatever we've got. So this- We can work it we out. Cobbled it, we got it <laughs> yeah, all, yeah. we cobbled it together. And it looked, we were surprised by how how great the, photo, the footage looked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not to put anybody down, but this is from a guy who's never shot a film before. That's incredible. He's right? a hobbyist. Yeah, he shoots, yeah. It, you know, aerials of, yeah. of 
of Hong Kong and his drawing. What were your challenges then that you were facing, obviously, filming in Hong Kong? Um, I don't know if you're a fluent Cantonese uh, speaker. Uh, <laughs> a little. I speak a little. Um, but that must have been a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, I didn't speak Cantonese. I, I'm, I would say, semi-fluent now. Uh, a little more fluent than I was uh, about six to eight months ago. But having arrived in Hong Kong a year ago, didn't speak Cantonese. Yeah. Didn't know anybody. You know, I'm this white guy in a Hong Kong film yeah. with Donnie Yen, and everybody's talking in Cantonese on set, and I'm like, I'm missing out on so much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's an opportunity to meet people and um, form friendships yeah. and, and you know, find out what's your process, how do you do things over here? And I couldn't even communicate because yeah. a lot of them didn't speak English. So Julian, who's a fluent Cantonese speaker and Mandarin, was like, he was like, well, listen, anytime you want to know anything, ask me. Fine. You okay, know, so, so he, he would, was very much your uh, translator, yeah, your go-to. He was, he, he was like, it was like the bridge for, for us. Anybody can call themselves a filmmaker yeah. or even an actor nowadays. All you have to do is have a voice yeah. and a couple of resources. Yeah. And all we had were two DSLRs, a drone and a phone. Yeah. That was it. And we went out into Hong Kong and thought, let's, this is a great canvas, let's just shoot something. Yeah. But it was the most difficult film I've ever worked on or ever tried to make. Yeah. Shooting in three countries, not speaking the language in Hong Kong, and having two or three people on a crew. Yeah. It's almost like, well, why would you even bother? Yeah. But people are like, what are you well, trying to do? Yeah. And everyone was like, you're just, you're just going to point that camera over there and I'm going to do what? And I was like, right, okay, we'll rehearse the scene. Yeah. You know what the scene entails. Yeah, but what about all these people I just don't worry about them they're all part of it yeah yeah. you'll know what it's like when you see it like a lot of people when they're working on a big motion picture if they've got a bit of time off they might just uh, you just relax yeah you know you like you, you do know, a just, day trip yeah or, exactly you know, yeah, go see the sights culture <laughs> yeah. no not us no. we want to make a film yeah and but what to, is that something that's inside you then to always be looking for opportunities always be working is that just yeah, something I'm, I'm, some, do you know it's that and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this there's a burning desire to constantly be creative and contribute yeah. something and be learning mm. in me and it's a blessing and a curse because you don't really have an off switch Yeah. do you know what I mean you're always thinking about if you're an actor and you're not working my whole ethos is to create your own work mm. um, nobody owes you anything in this business yeah you know, it's a very political business, it's very unfair, and you get jobs because either you have a very powerful agent or you know a casting director mm. or you're in a community of people who are looking for someone like you. Yeah. And I've found myself coming across that many times, and it's good to be the facilitator of an opportunity for other people. I wake up in the morning thinking, what's my contribution today? Yeah. As an actor, I like to, I like to stay busy. I, I don't like idle hands. <laughs> Has this been born out of somewhat of a necessity as an actor? Did you yes, find that um, you, in order to do the roles and the things that you want to do, you actually have to go out there and create your own opportunities? Mm -hmm. most, more, most of my work has come from actually being a self-starter. Yeah. I watched Taxi Driver yeah. and American History X. I watched Edward Norton and De Niro's performance and I thought, what is it that makes those actors so special? Mm. What is it that we... Are, is sticking with me why do I find those performances more memorable than any kind of soap opera stuff everybody's yeah. they're just talking and walking mm -hmm. and remaining silent sometimes yeah. what is yeah. it, what's the difference between those actors and those actors I want to be one of those actors and why so I started to make my own films I started to film myself trying to do monologues and things I thought no I'm not as good as that 
We're talking, how old are we talking here? Uh, was um, 25, 27. Yeah, yeah. I was captivated by great performance and I wanted to be one of those actors. So I started making more in films yeah. and writing more in scenes and things. But the actual mechanics of making a film as well, yeah. um, that must have been something that interested you like how films were put together because I guess yeah. a lot of actors it's quite easy to be I guess a jobbing actor going to auditions and that right. sort of thing but uh, but the actual mechanics of the editing directing writing scripts all that sort of stuff yeah. where did that come from then? I do you know I think I remember the year that I auditioned before I auditioned for drama school I had I was working night shift as a security guard in my hometown of East Kilbride, and there's a lot of time to kill throughout the night. Sure. You're 12 hour night shifts. <laughs> yes. You're starting at five at night and you're finishing at five in the morning. You're doing that five days a week for two years, a year, two years, and you get a lot of time to sort of reflect. It's like a prison sentence. Yeah. It's my, my, my paid prison sentence. <laughs> sure, sure. And I used to have these sort of stories going around in my mind and like, what would happen in a place like this at night? Is there, yeah. you know, and you start thinking about ghost stories. And so yeah. I started to get um, atmosphere light sound have always been things that I've always been very curious about yeah. like the elements that go to make a film yeah. key components are the visual and the sound yeah. but there's a lot of craft that goes into knitting these things together yeah. which we find we're drawn to yeah. as, as an audience you yeah. watch movies why is this your favourite movie because you can break that down to components. You, you say that you went into uh, college, you did study acting in the end, but like when you were um, gathering that passion for acting, yeah. did it seem like that was just a million miles away? Do you know, acting was just something that I wanted to be for 15 minutes at school one day. Right. I remember that day was, and that was the only time in my youth that I ever thought about acting. Yeah. I was always quite funny. People yeah. laughed at me or they laughed with me, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Were you a bit of a show-off at school? No, well, no, actually, no, that's another part. I was I was bullied at school right. quite a lot. Um, and what I did to combat that was just be funny. Yeah. You know, I yeah. would make fun of the people who bullied me and then they'd hit me again. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I remember it so well. And I think out of that there was a maybe like an alter ego. Yeah. A, an escape, a safe place to go where it was like, I can be funny. I've got something that none of you else have got. Yeah. And then I think as the years progressed, it was like it, it manifested itself mm-hmm. as I became a teenager, an, an older, you know, a young man, as it were. I thought, well, where's this going? I've got a bit of something yeah. in my personality that yeah. people find interesting. Um, and then that was channeled towards being an actor and directing it towards a career yeah. of like, well my personality and who I am is obviously going to be my means sure, sure. Of, of making money were, or surviving were, were your, what were your parents saying to you at that stage <laughs> <laughs> get a um, real job yeah, I, yeah I've had that get a real job yeah. um, one that pays the rent all that kind of thing mm. and it's like what I, I can't imagine doing anything else now my family since they've seen my career kind of Escalate and I've kind of slightly broken out of the pack. Yeah, yeah. Um, and worked on mainstream Hollywood films and, and big, bigger productions. And you know, they see me on the red carpet with A-list stars. They're kind of like, well, you know, maybe you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And that's the thing because, and that's the thing about this business that yeah. you're associated with the company you keep, not yeah. really how good you are as an actor. Because I know actors who are better than me who never made it. All these magic powers and hand trickery. I'm not real kung fu. They are merely witchcraft. 
what was the turning point for you? Was it London Has Fallen? Was no, it was before that. It was actually it was a film called Battleground. Yes, you were the you were the leading leading role in in that movie. Yeah, it was a Canadian indie film which sure. did did more money, fifty times more money than, than yeah. yeah. It's yeah. funny. I was speaking to the producer the other day. About, we met years ago at Sundance, and that was back to first principles. I met him at Sundance of a film that I made. Yeah, yeah. It got to Sundance. It was yeah. my first short. I cut my own performance out of it. Right. Met this filmmaker who directed a short. He says, "You cut your own performance out of a movie? Now you're in Sundance." I says, "Well, it's a ten minute limit. I have to cut something." Sure. Mine's the weakest story, and then six years later, he called me about Battleground. Wow. And it was like, he says, you're, you're doing a lot of stuff and stuff. How do you feel about being in an action film? We've uh, basically just, um, we've got 20 grand. Yeah. We're shooting Canada for four weeks. You would mean coming out like next week because we've just stepped into this project. Everything's up and running. Yeah. But we're wanting to recast the lead. And I've seen your showreel. I know that you can you can do an action film. And yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. And he says, yeah. So I was like, five days later, I was on a plane and I was straight out to Canada and the director was like I'd love this guy to be Scottish yeah. Canadian director Neil McKay says he I'd love this guy to be Scottish and I was like no why would a Scottish guy be in Detroit as a main bank robber sure. like America's he says because I think it's cool and I says no yeah. please let me do this in American accent yeah, yeah. so I did it in American accent then after that outpost Rise of the Spetsnaz came then London Has Fallen came um, and then Chasing the Dragon came I think it's important that actors know their brand sure. and they build on that sure. and be aware of what your strengths are yeah. play to those strengths and then if you get the opportunity doing something then you can say I'd like to go in this direction yeah. with it. going from what you were doing before to then leading roles in uh, movies mm-hmm. uh, what was the steepest learning curve then for, for you would you say I think I think many actors will be able to um, identify with this is when you start to feel as, as if you're making an improvement, yeah, is recognizing what those things are, yeah, and as, I don't want to say practicing your craft, but um, recognizing what your strengths are when you're making development, and then having other people recognize that. Yeah. It's not really a learning curve; it's more of a no. Start to find out what you're good at. Yeah. Where you lead sense is what kind of actor you are. Yeah. The other thing is auditioning. That's the yes. thing. That yeah. There's something that's so unpredictable. If you're lucky enough to get an audition, mm. um, I don't audition very much. Mm. Um, I've got more, a lot of jobs off self tapes nowadays, which is great. Um, or well, you've got quite a big canon of work now, haven't you? I guess yeah, to refer to. like 15, 18 movies in the past 12, 12 years. Mm. Um, you know, guest TV, lead TV, episodic maybe eight or ten there yeah yeah, yeah. Um, there's more work coming um, and it's yeah this, I mean there's another thing about I would encourage actors to make their own films yeah and I'm not saying you have to write them but find a writer and actually direct your own short film because you will learn so much about your face you will learn so much about movement yeah and you will learn so much about your voice and behaviour and what it takes to be an actor yeah hitting marks eye lines um, pull and focus these things you don't learn these things in drama school you have to yeah. figure it out so you're almost scrambling 
that's a very steep learning curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did that before I started trying to get work as an actor because mm. I was making my own films at Drama yeah. College. I saw the film scene that you did, yeah, which is great. That. It felt like that was your <laughs> repost to the film industry. Yeah, well. it was I wanted like, to actually like making yeah, a film. That was funny because that that was a point. It's interesting that you bring up scene short film about an actor who's trying to act in a movie yeah. and there's all these distractions going on right about him and he's trying to hold it together yeah and was that autobiographical in a way was it that was based on experiences of, yeah, yeah a couple of experiences actually I was um, I was trying to find that thing to latch on to as an actor that makes you look connected when audiences when you watch an actor perform it's like they're working they're yeah. performing yeah. when you watch a hammy actor doing it there's a disconnection yes and I was intrigued I was like, what is this magical thing that actors are doing? Yeah. What is it Edward Norton's doing and De Niro's doing? Yeah. Soap actors aren't doing. So the way it's shot, is the way it's lit. Yeah, so yeah. that I was curious about that. So yeah. I, that was kind of like I write a script about that transition yeah. of being the difference between being a bad actor and then being a good actor. So yeah. you see that. Yeah. Um, it's a great piece of work. It's very, uh, yeah, from a craft point of view as well, because it changes the focus, uh, changes. But obviously, you're acting, playing an actor, yeah. uh, which you know is is quite. Um, but it's also an actor who's well. playing an act, <laughs> an insecure actor who's acting in a film, who's who's, all, who's also acting. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's an actor who's acting in a film. It's an Inception it's, style. It's an inse- it's an, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Inception of acting. <laughs> My Tiger Kung Fu is better than yours. I don't think you're good enough to avenge your master. <laughs> London has fallen. Yeah, big, uh, big movie. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like working Compared on that? Compared to having two people yeah. on set, exactly. Yeah, um, can, can you compare them? It's probably uh, a different beast entirely. Well, you're essentially doing the same thing. You're just yeah. you're part of a different project. Every experience is different. There's more cameras. Mm-hmm. The cameras are bigger. Yeah. There's more people around you constantly. Yeah. You know, there's a makeup and wardrobe. There's always somebody coming up and mm-hmm. asking you a question or giving you something. Yeah. You know, you feel as if you're like a robot being built. Sometimes when they're putting the uniform, the costume sure. on you, then they're doing the makeup, then they're doing the hair. There's a lot more of that. Yeah. And there's the intimidation, obviously, of messing it up. Yeah. And you know, does, spending does fifty feel... grand a take. Yeah. And you're like, wow. I don't want to do a second take because they won't be very happy they'll do one yeah but I made sure because I I was cast two months before I started shooting so I knew everything I mean that part on paper was three scenes yeah but Gerard Butler and uh, the producers they they basically made that part bigger for me because they saw what I was doing yeah and any opportunity Jerry was like you're pretty good you're enjoying yourself aren't you I was like yeah yeah yeah, we're going to maybe give you a bit more to do then. I was just wanting to do a good job. I was just wanting, and I felt confident in myself enough as an actor yeah. that I could be standing on a set with Morgan Freeman or yeah. Gerard Butler or Aaron Eckhart and not be intimidated. Yeah. Because I've never been intimidated by famous people. Mm. It's really people who, um, really humble people who intimidate me yeah. more. I'm not intimidated, but I'm, I'm, I've never been starstruck in any way. And maybe that's just my working class yeah. upbringing. It's like everybody's the same, you know. But did you feel you must have felt that you were in the presence of really? I felt welcome, and I felt there. as yeah, if yeah. I felt as if I, would, I had a right to be there. Yeah, sure. Um, and that was I felt that right from the beginning. I was very welcome on that set. I've got a lot of time for Jared. Yeah, I know him uh, socially. Yeah, um, I would regard him as a friend. Yeah, uh, we've met professionally. We've worked together professionally, and we will work together again. Yeah, I know that. 
and he was very good to me on that shoot. Yeah. It wasn't just because we were Scottish. It was he was playing an American and I was Scottish, so we had that whole connection. Yes. We had somebody in common. But the interesting story was my first day in filming with him, it was the car where the car tumbles into the street. Sure. And he pulls himself out yeah. and I grab him. They were rehearsing his exit from the car. And I remember he got some sugar glass in his eye. There was still some and it actually ended up in his eye. So there was this kind of wave of silent panic. Yeah, yeah, of course. As people started to motion towards him. Yeah. And he didn't complain. I thought, okay, the shit's going to kick off. And it was glass inside. And he was trying to get it out of the corner of his eye. And it was like, it's okay, just give me a minute. Mm. Doctor came, got the glass out. And then he was pacing. He says, look, just give me a minute. I just, <clears throat> I need to think about this next scene. He's producing the film as well. Yeah, yeah. He's burning his own money. Yeah, yeah. He's spending his own, he's spending 50 grand of his own cash. Yeah. I take... Yeah. and we're already a day and a half behind and this now this has happened and it's my first day on set Jared Bartle looks over at me and he's not happy <laughs> right so I kind of saunter up and I say it's times like this I wish I were back in Glasgow eh <laughs> and then he laughed and goes yeah yeah where are you from I says East Kilbride and he says so oh, I'm from Paisley don't worry I want to hold that against you yeah and then it was like, he says, so do you want to run the lines? Do want to run the scene? So I ran the dialogue and I says, you know, I can see you're pretty pissed off. I says, whatever you feel, just take it out of me right now. And he's like, what? Take what? I says, I can see those things. He says, look, uh, we're losing money here. We're losing light. We're losing everything. And I just, I wish things were going a bit easier. But yeah. sometimes, you know, I says, well, look, let's just rattle right through this. Just, just hit me with the best you've got. Yeah. He's like, run the line. So we ran the line. And he says, what am I saying? I says, I was improvising with them a bit. And we were doing it in a Scottish accent. Yeah. He, was come out, he came out to do, to do it with the yeah, Scottish yeah. So he was like that, right, great, okay. And he drops the accent on top, transforms the whole thing. Yeah. And it was like, that was fucking great. Yeah. We should improvise just like that. Yeah. Uh, guys, guys, we know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to shoot. And he's just brightened up. Wow. And then towards the end of that night, he was like, thank you for that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know what I did. I said, I just, I said, what I said to him was, look, this is my first Hollywood movie. Yeah. I admire you as an actor I admire your career mm-hmm. and I'm just here to do the best job I can Yeah. and I don't want to fuck it up yeah. and he says don't worry about that there's no chance of you doing that Yeah. we're going to make a good movie together Yeah. and after that it was just I was fortunate enough mm. to be given a bigger part they made my part bigger and he was like and a lot of people have said that they, they have enjoyed that camaraderie between his character and mine <laughs> Did that set you in a good stead then to then the next movie you did, Chasing the Dragon? Mm-hmm. Is it comparable to go from a big Hollywood movie to a big Hong Kong Chinese movie? Or, uh, very uh, different. <laughs> um, essentially the same. Lots of people, lots of attention, a lot of attention to detail, yeah. a lot of time spent setting up. In Hong Kong, everybody just pitches in. Right. Everybody's a director. Everybody's a makeup artist. Everybody knows everybody's job and exactly what they need at any given yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And it's phenomenal to be part of that. Yeah. And you know, the, the very different thing is, chasing the dragon was amazing in many different ways. But at each individual is res- so responsible and expected mm. to contribute something unique. For me. There was never a full. I never read a script for Tracing the Dragon. There wasn't an English version. It was all in Cantonese. Right. So I was given the part on a biography, a self tape for Donnie Yen, who chose me for the role, and um, suddenly I was on set being measured and didn't understand anything anybody <laughs> says. You know, they say, mm, you know, yeah, Josan, yeah, yeah. Josan, you yeah, know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, what are you saying? Oh, it's good morning. Okay, Josan is good morning. Josan. But then I was on set and not even given a script. 
um, or there was like Brian you've got one line in this and it's like is that him <laughs> Donnie had said to me he says you know you were chosen for this role because I loved your self tape and also because I want you to help write the scenes with me <laughs> you'll be working with the other actors and developing your role and I was like wow. oh right okay so you want me to improvise and he says I hear you're really good at that yeah. <laughs> I was like who told you that he says oh we heard that you were really good that's why you got the job as well as the audition wow. so, so a lot of your dialogue there was, was improvised 90% of my dialogue in Chasing the Dragon was made up on the spot wow. my scene with Andy Lau Andy Lau I've been a fan of Andy Lau for 13 years yeah. he came to me and says we need to do a scene together I was like oh yeah it's this yeah, it was about maybe three days into the shoot. Yeah, I think that we should do a scene together. I'm just thinking about that right now. I'm going to say to them, I'm going to shoot something. That wasn't in the script. He just came into you and he said, came we and says, I said, yeah, we, we, we says, well, you're the leader of the British cops. I'm the leader of the Chinese cops, yeah, yeah, Hong Kong yeah. police. Yeah. And we're rivals, but we're working together. Yeah. We're, you know, we're evil working in the scene. Yeah. I was like, he says, yeah, we need a scene. What do you think the scene should have? And I was like, well, I don't really know. And <laughs> um, he says, well, I said, I'm going to do English in it. Yeah. I'm going to speak English you speak English yeah. and we'll just it's basically a scene which basically establishes that the two of us are in conflict in competition yeah. but we need each other Yeah. so maybe you're telling me what to do okay what's our business again right okay well these corrupt cops were dealing with drugs and guns and triads yeah. and then we just came up with something and I says what about that and he says yeah 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 and I'm going to say something in the middle like that's not going to work and then you say no you don't care you don't care that it doesn't work just do it anyway yeah and I was like, great, okay, okay, we're ready to shoot. Then they come over and says, Mr. Lau, Mr. Lau, Mr. Brian, okay, we're going to just shoot that. No way. I was like, no, so where do you want me to stand? Okay, here's your mark. And everybody, like, within 15 seconds, there was three cameras on set, yeah. wheeled up, crane brought in, this put over here, costume changes, I'm running the lines, microphones going on, and action. Wow. The drug business isn't worth it, it's way <laughs> to expand. No, I don't think that's going to work, I don't care, I make it work anyway. Okay, great, scene, move on. You know, um, and is Donny so? Because so, Donny Yen was producing; he was quite a hands-on presence during the filming of that. Then was he? Donny or? and his whole team are always hands-on. Yeah, he has a stunt team uh, with Bullet Films. The guys are amazing. They're actors. They're performers. They're acrobats. Yeah. They're gymnasts, martial yeah. artists, and just phenomenal mm. to the force to be around. Yeah. very patient, very calm people, but ferocious. It was Donnie Yen's sort of first step into a serious, dramatic role away from his more traditional martial arts roles. Yeah. Did you get a sense from the atmosphere on sets that was he nervous about? Because uh, it is quite a different role for him to do. And yeah. also he's playing a, a real-life gangster as well. So yeah. uh, who, who didn't die of, that long ago, really? I know. Um, there's a lot I can tell you about working with Donnie and about that. Um, he, he never seemed nervous to me. Um, he was curious mm. he is I mean first of all let's talk about how good he is in that movie he's fantastic, he's fantastic in that fantastic in that he movie he more than holds his own against Andy Lau as absolutely well. he's great yeah great, great. and that's, there's various reasons for that um, Donnie has been and it's as a lot of people will know um, a lot of the when Asian actors Chinese um, even Japanese uh, Hong Kong Chinese actors they're really they're limited in Hollywood because they end up playing the villain or the bad guy yep. do you know what I mean and it yep. still happens so this Donnie has recognised this for years mm -hmm. and he has worked hard at being a better actor Yeah, he's taken classes he's taken lessons he's worked with other actors he's constantly asking for feedback mm -hmm. it's not was that any good it was like he said to me he says I think you're a fantastic actor I know that before I work with you 
um, let's get the best out of each other. Mm. So it was all about, it was very collaborative with him. So we would improvise. Yeah. And they would say, that's great, write that line down and let's try that again. So he was constantly getting me to push him. Yeah. And he would push back on me, put all his attention on me. I, just, I, I said to him, put everything on me, absolutely everything. Yeah. And I will then in turn give it back to you. Yeah. And he was like, okay, great. And he expects the best from everybody. Mm. And it's no one thing that he wants, he, because he was involved on set and, and coordinating the action, and Jason Kwan was directing, and Wong Jing, but he was very active in asking of other actors what they wanted to get out of the scene. What do you think this scene's about? And give me every, nothing but that. Then it came to our big scene at the end, and it was like, what are you going to say? And I was like, it's just, by this point, I already knew there was, there was no script. It was like, oh, you horrible fisherman. You horrible fisherman. You would be a fisherman if it wasn't for me. Yeah, I was like, yeah. you need to say something more than that Brian what do you want to say or do you want to say anything so I ran a couple of ideas back and forward um, and then it ultimately had to be a sum of its parts it had to be a racist statement yeah. but the really good thing about really evil guys is they don't know they're evil they're doing the yeah. best they can with what they've got yeah. and it's that sense of entitlement that a yeah. lot of racist cops have and it's almost like a childlike naivety yes. in their character and Donnie was like well can you play on that and let's just do it so I did one take and he was like, write that down. He's going to, can you do that again? Can you, can you improvise it again? You've stepped into this realm of appearing in more uh, action films, martial arts films. Are you quite happy in the direction that your career's been going in, in that sense? Or are you just like, well, it's a great part, so yeah, why, why not? Well, you know, I don't, this is the funny thing as well. I've been offered more than I've ever done. Yeah. And a lot of it is to do with the, the role a lot of it is to do with it's never about the money for me no. um, if you're getting into acting to make money forget it right. it's something you have to do and some things I just have to do and some yeah. things I don't it's obviously got to do with what am I going to learn from this role sure. um, and the opportunity to come up and do these roles has been more frequent recently it's yeah. only really the past three years that this, this I've been doing these yeah and it's, I'm certainly not going to be doing it forever. <laughs> um, within the genre of action or thriller, Dead End, the feature, will be a very different turn yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, that role that I'm working on at the moment is so layered. Mm -hmm. it's, it was the role, if anybody was to say, okay, you get to play Macbeth, yeah. all right, you get to, if there's any five roles in sure, your career that you'd sure. like to play, I'm currently writing a role for myself in that film, which is all the different things that I would like to do as an actor. Yeah. All the different things that I think are my strengths. Yeah. Um, it's a very layered role. This is the dream project then, is it? Dream project? I would say it would be a dream role for an actor. I'm yeah. going to write it for myself. <laughs> Listen, after all, it was my brother who died. So then, you'll let me... Let's just talk quickly about Vengeance. Yes. Gary nice. Daniels. Yes. Stu Bennett. Yep. Directed by uh, Ross, Ross Boyask. Mr. Ross Boyask, Evolutionary Films. Are you playing another sort of tough bastard in this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you playing a tough <laughs> bastard in this? Yes, I am. It's, uh, it's a story about a former Special Forces soldier yep. whose buddy is killed. Stu Bennett plays John Gold. He's the ex-military guy. He comes looking for uh, 
vengeance yep. and then you've got Gary Daniels who is actually who's the leader of our pack yep. um, you've got Alan Carlton you've got Fleur Keith and uh, myself who we're, we're all like the bad guys but yep. we're not like your typical bad guys you've got the unhinged humorous psychopath that was me <laughs> yeah, okay. which can you imagine Begbie yes. with a bit more muscle on him that's me so, <laughs> you know what I mean um, so I was, I was offered one of two parts I chose that part it was a smaller role and I took that be, that role because I thought there was there's more that I can do as an actor yeah because a lot of psychopaths you don't really get the chance to see what hurts them I mean I think that Robert Carlyle is Begbie is the best example of a psychopath in the history of any you know yeah. film I kind of channeled my inner baby a yeah. little bit. Yeah, in yeah. But even when you're playing a bad guy or a psychopath, you've still got to imbue. <clears throat> that's why I'm going back to chasing the dragon. You've still got to imbue some kind of humanity in there because yeah, otherwise, otherwise it's just mindless violence. Yeah, and you're just playing a caricature rather than actually, yeah. uh, you know, a convincing person. Nutter. Nutter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the really great thing about working on that with because Ross is a very intuitive director, he is looking for actors to say what more do you want to bring what more would you like to give in your character yeah, yeah. within the confines of the genre sure. so it's not everybody's doing Shakespeare but they're killing people yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, yeah. it's not like oh there's a chance to show off but he feeds very well off actors and he's the way he lays it out the, the action not just the action but also the interactions it's, it's actually almost like a drama with action thank you so much Brian thank for you. your time today and thank you for listening <laughs> Larkin there really great to chat to Brian really cool to spend some time with him and hang out Brian has a website Uh, it's www.brianlarkin.actor head there for all your Brian Larkin related news he's also on Facebook search for Brian Larkin actor and he's on Twitter at Brian Larkin we will of course keep you posted on all the latest happenings with Dead End Uh, and all of Brian's other projects and of course all the latest developments with Vengeance and its planned sequel and all those other great things that are happening over at Evolutionary Films you can find out the latest by keeping it locked to the Kung Fu Movie Guide social media channels follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter okay Foo followers I think I'm going to go and lie down for a little bit Uh, thank you so much for your patience and putting up with this uh, pretty terrible voice today so um Thanks for that. Thank you for making it all the way to the end. That is much appreciated. Thank you, George Dennis, for your ongoing technical support. Thank you, Brian Larkin, Ross Boyas, John Adams, and everyone at Evolutionary Films. Check out Vengeance. It's out now in the States, and it's coming soon to the UK. Very exciting indeed. I will see you in two weeks' time for another episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Until then, take care, Foo followers. And I will see you next time on the show. Bye for now. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.